Hello my queens, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with your host Emmanuel. <laughs> who, who do I think I am? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> how are we on this fine Friday evening? It's definitely not Friday when you're listening to this actually. I'm sorry for the slacking on the podcasting front recently. I'm back home in Belfast. I've talked about this before. I find it really difficult to establish a routine here. You know, it just feels like a holiday to me. I also am living out of a suitcase. I don't know why. I'm literally home for two and a half weeks. Like, just unpack your shit. But no, I point blank refuse. And apparently I think it's a better idea to just have my clothes sprawled out across the floor on my suitcase. So I'm living in a pigsty currently. It's really, really nice. Just want to say a big thank you to everyone for all the love on last week's podcast, which was called Navigating Change. Got really good feedback on it. Loads of you seem to really love it. And I know it's such a common thing to struggle with, you know, dealing with change. So. Yeah, I'm so glad you guys enjoyed it and that it helped you in some way, shape or form. I've got another... Sorry, why did my voice just go so high-pitched? Sound like a granny. I have another podcast topic this week that I think will be quite beneficial for a lot of you. So I'm going to talk about the things I have learnt. I mean, not absolutely everything. I'm going to talk about some things that I have learnt in therapy. No, I haven't done a huge amount of therapy. I did it for, I did it over the course of last summer and I'm now doing it again. I think I've only had four sessions, maybe five. I'm not 100% sure. But anyway, last summer I did it just, well, it was online, like just on Zoom. And it was with a woman from Belfast who was so lovely why did I stop? I think I just kind of, it came to a kind of natural end, you know. I was going back to Leeds and I was just kind of like, you know, I'll contact you if I need you type of thing. And then just never really ended up doing it, even though I definitely should have. <laughs> but so now I'm doing it again, this time with a lady from near Leeds. Again, it's just on Zoom. Although I don't know... See, because I've never done therapy face-to-face, I don't know what I would prefer. I Like, sometimes it's nice just being in the comfort of your own room. You feel maybe a bit more comfortable and, like, you can open up a bit more. I don't know. But then also there's something a bit weird about being online. Anyway, I am going to share with you some things I've learned because I know therapy is not accessible to everyone. It is an expensive thing. I paid for it the first time, but it wasn't, like, that expensive the first time because... I think she was training or something. She was like a mental health nurse and then she was studying to be a psychotherapist or something. So because she was training, I was getting like a discounted rate. This time I am actually getting it through my health insurance. So anyone that has health insurance, make sure to check that out because I had no idea that therapy came under it, but it does. I probably will be stopping soon with this current therapist just because I do kind of feel like it's going to come to an end pretty soon, just a natural end by the time, you know, 
I finish my assignments and stuff. I'm just because then I want to do my yoga teacher training over summer. I feel like I'll just be too preoccupied with other shit. But I do plan on next year while I'm in Leeds instead of waiting until I'm like having mental breakdowns every day. Um, I'm just gonna maybe try and have like a therapy session once a month to kind of just keep on top of things. So then if I do get to a point where I'm not doing that great, at least it's like a bit more manageable. Because see, this time I was, uh, I have spoken about this, but like, I don't know what happened. I just took a big turn and I was like, just a bit mentally unstable, we'll say. But then by the time you find someone, you organise it, you almost feel like you're out of that rut a wee bit. But like it would have been good to have actually spoken to someone in that time period to suss out how you got there in the first place. What happened? What was your triggers? Um, Maybe how you got out of it. I don't know. I just think it's a good thing to kind of have constantly, even if it's not often, if you know what I mean. So I'm going to look into that for next year. But for now, we're doing every week or so until summer. I think the common misconception with therapy is that you have to have some huge issues and big trauma and be crippled with anxiety. Therapy is actually just beneficial for absolutely everyone. I feel like no matter what, it is so good to have that space and that time in your week or your month or whatever it is to just dedicate to chatting shit to someone and telling them like everything that's been going on what's been setting you off if anything's been annoying you or making you feel anxious just all these different things and it's just like a safe space for you to blurt it all out and just dump it out, get it out in the open and have someone not judging you and not being biased, you know, because a lot of the time you'll tell your family or friends stuff and the reaction's going to be very dependent on, first of all, their own thoughts and beliefs and second of all, if there's any other people involved in the situation, like their opinions of them are going to influence what they're going to say to you. Whereas when you talk to the therapist, all of that is completely out the window. They're just there as a completely, I want to say, I can't remember. I always get subjective and objective mixed up. Subjective? No. Objective? Subjective. Wait. <laughs> Let's just say unbiased. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yeah, completely unbiased person to... um kind of navigate how you're feeling almost like validate as well what you're feeling because I know with me like a lot of the time I feel things and then I'm like I'm so fucking stupid for feeling this way like why do I feel like this and then I get annoyed at myself for feeling a certain way but like therapists will never do that they'll always just like very much validate your feelings and understand where you're coming from it's also quite interesting to kind of discover and work out why you react to certain things in certain ways like whether that's down to what you've kind of been taught as a child or if you've kind of mimicked what you've seen other people do in your life or if it was you know when someone acts this way you respond by getting defensive in this way like all these different little things that we naturally do and don't think twice about 
and then when you actually have to reflect on it you're like wait why did I do that why did I react in this way is that a healthy way to react and how can I change that in the future so yeah I'm gonna share some things I've learned over the last year or whatever in therapy so that you can save your money and not pay for therapy like I do (laughs) right so first up this is actually huge this is a huge revelation for everyone in life I spent so long being like I'm not happy like why am I not happy constantly focused on not being happy 24 7 and then I found well then I came to the conclusion in therapy happiness is literally just one emotion and there's like a hundred thousand other okay maybe not a hundred thousand there are so many other emotions it is just one emotion that you can feel in a plethora of emotions (laughs) just in the same way I wouldn't want to be excited all the time or I wouldn't want to be angry all the time you don't want to be happy all the time for you to feel other emotions you need to feel the full range of them And then you can be grateful for the ones that you do enjoy and also the ones that you don't necessarily enjoy are usually a lesson from something and as a result of something. Do you know what I mean? So don't aim for happiness because, I mean, you don't want to be constantly happy because if you're never sad, you don't actually know what happiness is. You do need to experience a whole range of emotions to be human. So instead of aiming for happiness try and aim for fulfillment and contentment and contentment is that a word contentness contentment I don't know you know what I'm trying to say try and aim to be content as opposed to happy and fulfilled as opposed to happy because when you have fulfillment in your life and you know you've a well-rounded life with close connections and interests and hobbies and things that make you feel alive You will get happiness from that, but you're not expected to be happy all the time. No one's expected to be happy all the time. On a side note, I'm actually craving a fizzy drink of some kind so badly right now. Okay, next thing I have learned in therapy is that it is really important to know your own love language and the love language of your loved ones so that you know what makes people feel loved and valued in a relationship and so that you know what makes you feel loved and valued in a relationship and so that your loved ones know what makes you feel valued. Yeah, you know what I mean, vice versa. (laughs) Love languages are a weird one because naturally you tend to show other people love how you like to receive it. So... If you're someone that is not touchy-feely at all, but you love being like a hopeless romantic and, you know, telling someone how much you love them and writing them poems and letters and always sending them cute messages, stuff like that, then that, if you love that, then that's what you're likely to do for someone else. But for someone else, they might be like, well, yeah, but you do all that. But like, where's the physical affection? You know, that could be what they, what makes them feel good and what makes them feel valued in a relationship. So it's a hard one because you do obviously want to 
show it how you like to but then also you need to be conscious of the fact that people receive it differently so yeah I mean I just think it's important just if you don't know your love language do the quiz online I mean it's pretty self-explanatory I feel like you don't need to do the quiz to try and work it out yourself what are the options it's physical touch is one words of affirmation is two Quality time is a third one. My laptop literally sounds like it's about to take off. Does anyone else get this? It sounds like an airplane about to take off right now. What's the third one? Physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, and acts of service and, and gifts or something. I don't know. Presents of some sort. I don't really know. <laughs> um... I actually really want to do an episode with someone else taking the love language quiz together. Maybe have a wee drink. That'd be cute. I mean, I know my results already. I feel like I've done it so many times. Also, I knew my results before I even did it. It's just really easy to tell. But yeah, I might do an episode on that. And then for anyone that hasn't done the test, you can like do it with us. How's that? Okay. Next thing I have learnt in therapy. Worrying about something in the future is either pointless because it may not happen or you're giving yourself the double worry because you're worrying about it twice before it's actually happening and then when it's happening. So just wait until you come to the problem and then you can worry about it. I'm really bad for this one. Like worrying about things that are literally so far out and could actually just be completely irrelevant because it might not even come down to that and then I'm sitting there freaking out about it and it's like but that that's not even a given so you're just giving yourself double stress and it's so unnecessary what's that phrase cross the bridge when you come to it that's the one okay here's another one very very relevant to me Wait, these are all relevant to me. They're literally things I have learned in therapy. (laughs) Why am I being so dumb? Right, being future focused and thinking I'll be happy when or I'll be happy if doesn't allow you to enjoy the now and to be present. I've spoken about this before. You know what? I've worked really, really hard at this. I went through a real phase of being extremely future focused and always just thinking oh it's fine I'm not happy now but like I will be when I'm in Australia or I will be when I'm a qualified makeup artist or I will be just all these different things and then it's like you would do that thing but then you'd be thinking of the next thing when you'd be happy and it's like actually give yourself a break try and enjoy yourself right now instead of thinking about the future because thinking about the future as well as thinking oh I'll be happy when this happens also then by default comes with a bit of worry as well thinking about the future so like scrap it do you know what I mean the future doesn't matter right now right right now matters right now and I think I'm a lot better at that now I mean, don't get me wrong, there are times where I'm like, fuck, once this assignment's over, I'll be on cloud nine. But like, that's pretty understandable, do you know? But I'm talking about more life situations. 
Like, you don't want to live for six months somewhere depressed, but I'll be happy when whenever this happens. Like, no, try and just be happy now. Sorry, actually, I'm completely contradicting myself. Don't try and be happy. Try and be content. I need to remember to say content instead of happy now. Sorry, guys. Okay, next thing on my list of things I've learned in therapy. Don't underestimate the power of nature. We spend so long... Wait, this is just like a little list on my phone, right? Basically, after every therapy session, I... I don't want to come out of a session and be like... Basically, I don't want it to get to the end of when I've done, say, six sessions and be like, what the fuck have I learned? So what I try and get in the habit of doing is just like making quick notes right after every session of maybe little things I picked up on. So this isn't maybe directly what, you know, a therapist has said to me. It's more just kind of like what I've gathered from the session. I don't know why I felt the need to stop in the middle of that and say this. But yeah, okay, anyway, carrying on. Don't underestimate the power of nature. We spend so long on our phones and laptop screens that we forget how beautiful and surreal the world around us is. Sometimes a walk in the park with no distractions and practicing mindfulness can really bring you back and make you feel grounded again and make you realise how small and irrelevant you pretty much are in the world. I love this one because, I don't know, I feel like there's something so powerful about just leaving your phone at home, going and watching a nice sunset somewhere, practising mindfulness, listening to the birds, looking at all the pretty flowers blooming in spring, you know, breathing in the nice fresh air. Yeah, I think sometimes we can just really forget how impactful just taking some time out like that in nature can be. I think especially living in a country where the climate is what it is in the UK and Ireland. Do you know, like we don't really spend much time outdoors. The only time I actually spend outdoors is if I'm walking to or from somewhere or if I'm walking my dogs. Okay, maybe the odd time when we get a bit of a heat wave, you'll go to a beer garden or something. But, you know, in general, like I don't really spend that much time outside just kind of being outside. Don't get me wrong, when the sun's out, I'm a bit of a sun worshipper. I'll be out in it all the time. But yeah, and I think actually that was something I really, really noticed that hugely impacted my mental health when I was in Australia was the amount of time I spent outside and in nature and watching sunsets and sunrises and just doing nice things outdoors because you could because the weather allowed it and how much that impact your mental health positively for me was crazy. Even literally just like walking to my nearest park and lying on a picnic blanket with a book for an hour before work. Do you know what I mean? Little things like that can really put you in a great headspace I think for the day. And yeah, I think because it's more difficult to kind of do that when you're living in the UK or Ireland or anywhere that doesn't have the weather to necessarily do stuff like that. I think just being mindful of the fact that you can still incorporate mindfulness into your walks. Take your earphones out, stop the podcast for a second or listening to music or stop looking at your phone screen, whatever it is, and on your walk, 
Just be a bit more mindful. Look at the trees. Look at the flowers around you. Look at the sky. Look at this different shapes in the clouds. All these different things. We're just surrounded by so much beauty. And a lot of the time we're just very passive to it all. You know, we just kind of get on with our lives and forget that all of that exists because we're always in a rush. You know, we're always, yeah, we're always in a rush. It's always, fuck, I'm running late. I need to be here by this time or I need to walk quickly and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, if you actually just take a minute and slow down and process things, be a bit mindful of the world and nature around you. Fuck, I'm really, I'm really in deep here, really rambling. Okay, so next thing I have learned in therapy, work out what you love to do. What brings you happiness? Is it meeting a friend for a coffee? Is it a dance class? Is it walking your cousin's dog? Is it reading a certain genre of book? Whatever it is, try different things. You're never going to find out what you like and what you don't like without trying different things. I think it should be on everyone's to-do list or New Year's resolutions or whatever to just try something different. Like so often we get so set in our ways and so in our comfort zones and we don't want to branch out of them in fear of being bad at something or being embarrassed by not being good at something. And just put your ego aside, try something new. You never know, you could end up absolutely falling in love with it whether it's wall climbing or pole dancing or, I don't know, fencing, like (laughs) literally anything. (laughs) You could sign up to borrow my doggy or you could start doing meditation. Like there's honestly an endless list of things you can try and you'll never know if you like it until you try it. So try out new things, find out what you love to do, what brings you happiness. And whatever they are, build them into your weekly or daily schedule. We live these lives where, you know, everything's kind of planned out for us in terms of studying or working. Say you're you're working nine to five, Monday to Friday. You look at your week on a Monday morning and think, fuck, that is bleak. (laughs) Especially if you don't necessarily love your work, you know? Because majority of people don't have that luxury of loving their work. A lot of people just work because they have to. And when you look at your schedule on Monday morning and all you see is nine to five work of some bleak job that does not set your soul on fire, how do you think that's going to make you feel? So work out what you love, build it into your routine. And whether that be in the morning or the evening, or in the weekends, literally whatever suits you the best, build it into your routine, make it there, make it cemented in because you're just looking out for future you then. You're guaranteeing that little hour or two hours or three hours or every hour in evening or every hour in morning, whatever it is of time that you know you're going to enjoy no matter what. And you know are going to put you in a good headspace no matter what. For example, one of my non-negotiables for pretty much most days, <laughs> not, not every single day, but if it's a day that involves studying, 
and I want to build in stuff that I enjoy around that to motivate me to study and to keep me in a good headspace to study. I have to buy a coffee out. It just brings me so much joy. I also love to look at my week ahead and know that I've got a dinner planned at some point. So I'm just such a foodie. I love trying new restaurants and new foods. And yeah, that's just one of my things that brings me joy is booking dinner somewhere. So I love doing that. When I'm at home, I love going to yoga classes, but I don't really have the luxury to be able to do that in Leeds, unfortunately, just because I don't have a car there. I mean, I'm sure there are places I could go, but it's a bit of a hassle without a car, you know? So yeah, I try and get a yoga class in there when I'm at home. Um, I'll dance when I'm in Leeds. I'll try and make sure I go to the gym twice a week. Just all these little things, build them into your routine so that when you open your diary on a Monday morning, whether it's on paper or on mine's on my laptop, then you look at it and you think, oh, I've got quite a nice week ahead of me and the week just doesn't seem as daunting. Okay, so another thing I have learned through therapy is that you have to learn your triggers. So what I mean by that is what sets you off in a bad mood? What suddenly starts making you feel anxious? What makes you angry at your boyfriend? You know, all these little things that like set you off. And if you don't think about it, you think it's kind of just come out of nowhere. But actually nothing really comes out of nowhere. Like even, yeah, okay, a lot of the times you think it's kind of come out of nowhere and it could be hormonal or something. But even that is not out of nowhere. It's hormonal. But nine times out of ten, there is a reason or there is something behind that. And if you don't work out what that is, how are you ever going to stop that from happening? Or then if it does happen, you can recognize that this is what's happened. It could literally just be little things like you might realize that you going on your phone when you first wake up in the morning is actually putting you in a bit of a bad mood to start off the day or it's demotivating you to get up out of your bed and start your day. Something small like that. Or it could be that, you know, your mum asking you how your work's going really just sets you off. (laughs) I'm giving that example because I feel like that happens to my brother. Anytime my mum mentions work, he's like, shut up. (laughs) Don't talk to me about my work. So now she's just learned not to ask any questions. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You, You have to work out what is triggering these reactions and then you can learn to not let them happen. Or you can warn people that, you know, when you do this, it's causing me to feel this way or think this way. And it's also a good way to also work out what makes you feel good. And how to develop good routines and things like that. I actually think I want to do a podcast soon on like developing routines and stuff. Because everyone's so different in what suits them. I feel like it's really important to work out what suits you. Anyway, I'll get into that in another podcast. But yeah, that's that's a good one. And it's very general and across the board. But it is very essential. Okay. So another thing I have learned is... This was quite recently, actually. So I'm a very all or nothing kind of person. 
And sometimes, you know, sometimes that is a good thing in certain situations. And sometimes it's a really bad thing. What I've come to realise is that it's okay to do things not always to the best of your ability. So whether that's, you know, handing in an average piece of uni work that's just going to get you the pass or to not be the best and most devoted dancer in the class or for me as a makeup artist maybe to not do the best most creative makeup look I've ever done that's just a bit of a shit example yeah it's okay to just not do things always to the best of your ability basically at the end of the day you're still showing up and doing it and getting it done and you're using the time and resources that you do have you know Like, it's the same with a lot of people listening to this, I'm sure. You're trying to balance so many things. You're trying to balance maybe studying, working, your part-time job, you know, exercising, cooking, maintaining friendships, maintaining a relationship. You may be also trying to read. You've got to look after yourself and do your skincare. And all at the same time, it's like, but you've also got to enjoy life. And it's like, fuck, this is a lot. (laughs) And... When you realise that actually there's so much going on, you can't... And Right, so this is the issue, yeah, is that we follow maybe a fitness blogger that is able to dedicate their equivalent of their Monday to Friday 9 to 5 in the gym. So obviously they're going to look like that. But then you also follow a makeup artist that is buying out, you know, incredible creative looks once a day and spending hours upon hours on it and then and making like incredible TikToks say to go with it and then you've got someone else who's completely smashing it in terms of their online business and it's like oh so you're seeing all these people do all these things and doing them really well and you're like I want to do it that well and I want to like if if I'm not gonna do it to the best of my ability what's the point But it's like, no, 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 hold on a second because you're not that person and you don't have all of that time to dedicate to that thing. And actually, you can just go to the gym once a week. You actually can just have like a little part-time side hustle that you don't dedicate your whole life to. All these things, it's like you have to realise to balance them all, you can't give 100% to absolutely everything. And it's so unrealistic to think that you can. It's just going to end up in you being completely drained and zapped of all energy and motivation because you'll have nothing left to give. And something's going to fall because of it, you know? You're always going to forfeit something when you give your all into something else. It's like me, like, I I always find the balance with uni work and my other work. I find the balance really difficult sometimes and a lot of the time it is unbalanced and one of them takes a bit of a hit and then there's times when, you know, I've got assignments to hand in and then my other work will take a bit of a hit and I'll be doing one podcast a month type of thing. And that's fine. Like, I just have to accept that and accept that I'm using the t- my time and my resources that I have and I'm still doing it. I'm still getting the shit done. I'm just maybe not doing it to 100% of my ability because I currently can't and that's okay. Yeah, I was giving examples there of like things in my life, but obviously you can definitely apply that to you because, you know, I'm sure all of you listening to this have struggled or are struggling with balancing loads of different things. 
And yeah, when you initially think being an all or nothing person is quite a good thing. You know, I I think I used to think it was a good thing. I used to think, you know, what's the point if I'm not going to give it my all? I may as well just go hell for leather. I don't know what that stems from. I No, actually, I was thinking about this recently. I was thinking it potentially, sorry, I'm like psychoanalyzing myself. I was thinking, right, I did gymnastics as a kid and I don't know if anyone listening to this has done gymnastics before, but it's one of those sports that is very like all or nothing. It's not like the things that you do in school, like hockey, netball, I know football, rugby, all all those kind of sports. It's not really like those where you can just be on like the C team and just train for an hour a week and have a match at the weekend gymnastics is a very very all or nothing sport you know if you're good you get selected for the squads if you're on the squads you're training minimum 20 hours a week and you're competing every month and if at any point you want to give that up and you decided because at one point in my life I was like like I love gymnastics but I can't keep this up because I can't do anything else I can't be on any other teams. I can't go to my friend's birthday party. I was very young. I was like, I don't know, whatever age, just going into secondary school. I wasn't able to like enjoy my weekends the way my friends were and join in with them and the things they were doing. And I was like, and for what? I'm not going to be a fucking Olympic athlete, but that's what they want you to be. They want you to either be an Olympic athlete or to not do it. At that point in my life, I would have loved to have been able to just cut it down and just done it like a normal sport and maybe go three times a week and have like friendly competitions every so often. But that wasn't an option. It was stick to the 20 hours of training a week and the heavy competing or scrap it and you're done. And you're going to have to think about something else, doing something else. And that's what I did. I decided it was too much. I ended up completely resenting it. I resented my coaches. They used to prick us in the feet with pins. They used to slap our bums and slap our feet when we didn't point our toes enough. I think that kind of started off the whole like all or nothing mentality for me. I don't know if anyone's listening to this has done gymnastics and has had a similar situation to me. Maybe you can relate a bit. Maybe it's kind of shaped you to be like that as well. I think a little bit of it also maybe comes down to like fear of not being the best at something. That's kind of intertwined with kind of like the all or nothing mindset isn't it because it's like well if I'm gonna do it I need to be the best at it type of thing but when you actually think about it like what's the worst that's gonna happen if you're not the best at something nothing literally nothing no one no one else cares you know no one else is embarrassed why would you care that you're not the best at it you can still just be a part of something and enjoy it Like, there's no repercussions, there's no punishment for not being the best. Like, why at the age of 14 years old was I getting panic attacks over not getting an A in my literally internal school exams? Like, not even GCSEs. (laughs) What were you scared of? Why does it matter if you don't get an A? Do you know what I mean? My parents didn't care. As long as I worked hard... And they knew I worked. I wasn't being lazy. They wouldn't care if I got a B or C. So why was I putting that pressure on myself? I don't know. So many questions. <laughs> so many questions. Right. Another thing I learned in therapy. Today, what did I say? Oh, yes, I said. I, today I learned that we tend to belittle or big up our problems. 
making them smaller and trying not to acknowledge them or getting worked up and letting them spiral. But what if we just come at them from a place of understanding and let them ride out? Because, right, this is my issue. When I have something that's worrying me or an issue, you know, a problem, whatever it is, I will either think I am stupid for feeling that way or that I'm being over emotional or I'm overthinking it or I'll come up with all these excuses in my head as to why it shouldn't be an issue and why I should just get over it, okay? So that's belittling your problem. And then you've got the other side of that where you get really, really worked up about stuff and you think it's like, this is the be on end all. I'm gonna, I don't know. <laughs> you just think the worst of the worst. You know, your thoughts really start to spiral and get a little bit out of control around this issue or this problem or this worry that you have. So either way, you're either belittling it or you're making it bigger. But do you actually have to do either? Like, what if you just validate that you feel that way and that it's okay to have this worry or this issue? Basically, if you're talking to yourself, be understanding towards yourself in the same way your therapist is towards you with a problem. They don't belittle it. They don't make you feel like your feelings are invalid, but they don't make you spiral and they don't make you think out of control. They just acknowledge it and accept it and understand it and then let it ride out, let the emotion ride out and then you get over it. I mean, it sounds pretty simple, but like no one had ever really put it like that for me and it just makes so much sense. Why do we feel the need to big up or belittle our feelings? Why do we not just let them be what they are? and just accept them for what they are, and then move on with our lives. Because we like things to not be simple, that is the answer. We apparently love things to not be simple. Well, I do. Okay, final thing. I mean, it's not the final thing I'll have learned in therapy, you know, but it is the final thing on my list for you right now. Who knows, maybe I'll be able to come back at you with a whole new list of things I'll have learnt in therapy over the next few weeks. Okay, so everyone has this like inner critic in their head. It's kind of like, it is, it's your voice, but it's almost like shouting at you. Not shouting at you, but talking down at you, you know? Criticising you, getting annoyed at you for not doing something or for being a certain way. I don't know, all these little things. It's your inner critic. And when your inner critic is pulling you one way and making you feel overwhelmed and not good enough and just a bit, you know, all over the place when that voice gets a bit loud, do you know what I'm talking about? Treat it like it is literally a different person, like it's not you. Because if that was another person hurling all this abuse at you the way your inner critic does to yourself, would you not ask them to fuck off? you would politely tell them to fuck off. You maybe wouldn't say those words. (laughs) But you'd ask them to take a step back, you know, like chill the fuck out. So 
when next time you notice that happening and you notice your inner critics just being a bit bit too much, a bit in your ear, and it's just getting to you, it's making you feel overwhelmed, it's making you feel not good enough, literally ask them to give you space and to back the fuck off. You wouldn't let your friends speak to you like that. You wouldn't let your family speak to you like that. You wouldn't let a stranger in the street speak to you like that. So why are you letting yourself speak to you like that? Literally just, I mean, you can say it out loud or you can say it into yourself if you want. Treat it like it's a different person. Tell them to fuck off. (laughs) Okay, that's all I've got for you guys. So that is um, what I've learned in therapy so far. Do you know what? I didn't actually write... I should have done this, but when I was doing therapy last summer, I didn't have a list like this. I wish I did, because then I'd be able to reflect more on what I've learned, like I have done now. But anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope I've saved you some money. (laughs) And I hope maybe you've learned a thing or two. I'll keep the list going over the next few weeks, and I'll give you an update if I've got anything more worth speaking about. But thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And as always, thank you so much for the continued love and support. I was reading all your messages the other day. I was, honestly, I tear up every time. You're just the best bunch of people ever. And you make me feel so loved and valued. And I honestly couldn't ask for a better bunch of listeners. So thank you so much for listening. And I will speak to you in next week's episode. Bye.